Howdy, folks. Today, we are going to talk about those that think they are keeping the Sabbath day. Now, when you start to study this subject matter, you might go back to the beginning. That's where you ought to go back, because that's where we start to study this. In Genesis chapter 2, says in verses 1 through 3, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because then in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Now, if you continue to study through the book of Genesis, you do not find instructions that are given regarding keeping the Sabbath day. It is not until the law of Moses comes into play in Exodus chapter 20, for example, verses 8 through 11, where you see, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So this is when man is given instruction regarding the Sabbath. And it's important to recognize that this is the instruction that Moses gave. Because as we go through this lesson today, we are going to come to a realization of some of the instructions regarding the Sabbath day and who it pertained to and for how long. For example... In Exodus chapter 20, when you look at that context, the first two verses says, God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the children of Israel. He is not talking to the whole entire world. So it's kind of important to make notes like that. And does it matter? Will it matter? Well, we're going to let our study play this out and answer these types of questions. Furthermore, we need to understand that if you're going to go back to Exodus chapter 20 and you're going to say that you're going to keep the Sabbath day because of Moses' instructions in Exodus 28 through 11, then you're going to have to keep in line with the remainder of the law regarding the Sabbath, like in Exodus 31 verses 14 and 15 says, You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh and the Sabbath of rest, holy Lord, whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Now, for those people that think they're keeping the Sabbath day, are you really? Are you really? I have not met the person on earth yet that is really keeping the Sabbath. Then we need to ask this question. 
do the instructions in Exodus chapter 20, chapter 31, apply to Christians today? You see, when we're studying the Bible, there are clearly changes between the law of Moses and the law of Christ. For example, when you read Hebrews chapter 8, it's 13 verses. It says, and, 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 and it's a great follow-up context because when you're in chapter 7, you're reading things like Hebrews 7, 11, and 12, where if therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. So you read that instruction and you read through the context, which is talking about the priesthood that Christ is after order of Melchizedek rather than after the Levitical priesthood. Then you come to chapter 8. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that they were priests that offer gifts according to law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For, see, saith he, that thou shalt make all things according to the pattern, show thee the amount. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much more also is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And this is going back to Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. He says, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers and the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continue not my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And that he saith the new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. As you go through Hebrews chapter 9, and even into Hebrews chapter 10, you pick up greater detail. For example, in Hebrews 9, 11 through 17, Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, as I say, not of this building. You see the connection to what we just read, right? He says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once in the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, he's the mediator of the New Testament, 
that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So Jesus dies in part as our high priest to bring about the new law, the new covenant. And even before he did that, even before the new covenant, even before the new law, the law of Christ, however you want to phrase it all or scripturally correct terminology, he presented a change in mindset and established authority even over the Sabbath. In Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28, it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and the disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and was hungered? And he went in, and they were with him. How he went in the house of God in the days of Abathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat for the priest, and gave also to them that were with him. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So one, the Sabbath day idea where people are keeping this as a day and that somehow they have exalted far above even the original intent and law of Moses. And secondly, Christ's authority over the Sabbath. When you're reading what our Lord had the apostles go and teach from Acts 2 forward. You're not seeing them from Acts 2 through the book of Revelation command Christians, Jew or Gentile, to keep the Sabbath. So I want you to understand something as we begin the, at least the presentation of thought that I want to take us down this way. There is a change when Jesus came into this world. And that change became even more expressed in the fact that the new covenant of Jesus Christ does not give instruction concerning the keeping of the Sabbath. It does talk about the Sabbath and not in the way that somebody who wants to be a Sabbath keeper would like. In Colossians chapter 2, I want you to pay attention to verses 6 through 17. In particular, you're going to see here that there is not authority, especially if we get down to verse 16, for there to be judgment regarding the keeping of days, including the Sabbath. So notice, Colossians 2, 6 through 17, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, and whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, Wherein also you were risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, 
who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all his trespass, all your all trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Listen, you could not be justified under the law of Moses. Paul and Barnabas preached that in Acts 13, 38, and 39. Therefore, the law was not for, it was against in that sense. Now, picking up verse 15. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of in holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Now, if you take what we've learned already, verse 16, no man is permitted to judge any man under the law of Christ regarding the Sabbath or Sabbath days, as the King James says there. I want you to think on that because the law of Moses commanded judgment to be made on those that broke the Sabbath, right? The death penalty. Remember, we read that Exodus 31, 14 through 15. Now, we need to understand some things. And I said we're going to get to answering this. So let's answer it. Does it matter to whom the commandments were given? Well, after Exodus 31, 14 and 15 that we read already to keep the Sabbath, that it was holy to them, that they had to work in six days but rest on the seventh, and that the death penalty would be in place. Who was he talking to? Exodus 31, 16, the very next verse. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant, not to me who am a Gentile, but to the people of Israel. Listen, when folks go back to the Old Testament and they start prescribing law as though it applies today, they're not looking to whom the law was given. They're not seeing that instruction. Verse 16 of Exodus 31, the law of Israel. You bookend it. Verse 12 says, Gather the people together, men and women and children, the strangers within thy gates, that they may hear, that they may learn, and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law. Bookending it, anybody within the gates of where? Israel, right? To whom are these instructions given? The law which Moses set before the children of of Israel, Deuteronomy 4 and verse 44. It's talking about the physical people of Israel. Get that. Understand that. When we study things like this out, it matters. In 2 Kings 21 verse 8, text says, Neither will I make the feet of Israel move any more out of the land which I gave their fathers, only if they will observe to do according all that I have commanded them, and according to the law that my servant Moses commanded them. Who? The children of Israel. Malachi 4.4 says, Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Oreb, for all 
Israel with statutes and judgments. You go back to Exodus chapter 20 and you start prescribing the Ten Commandments, quote unquote, and there's hundreds if you go through the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. There's hundreds, if not more. Folks, that's not for all the world. That's for the children of Israel and the people within their physical gates, within their land. Moreover, here's something that people miss. Here's something that people miss. Think about this concerning uh, the old law in general. Why was the law of Moses given? Galatians 3.19 says, Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions. Notice this. Till. See, that shows you it was not intent, intended to be a continual law. Just like we read in Hebrews 8, that quoted from Jeremiah 31 through 34. It says, Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. Till. Till Christ. Till Christ, folks. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 9 and 10, Knowing this, the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and that there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine." Galatians 3.19, 1 Timothy 1.9 and 10 show us the law came into this world because of transgressions. Catch that. And it had an expiration date. Jesus Christ. Folks, the law of Moses was not the source of the promises. In Romans 4.13, the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. You know, the argument's pretty clear in the book of Romans. The law of Moses didn't exist in the days of Abraham. That's the point. And the people in Rome who are wanting to go back to certain aspects of the law of Moses, specifically like circumcision, same thing you see in Galatia and Galatians Chapter 5 and 6, same thing that you see in Acts 15 with the Judaizing teachers that went down to Antioch. No, 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 no. You guys were missing it. It is not the law of Moses that's the source of the promises. Again, like I made mention in Acts 13, 38, and 39, where Paul and Barnabas are preaching here, they're teaching, and they told them, you know, and therefore, my brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. If you come back to Galatians chapter 3, we talked about verse 19, verses 10 through 14. It says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in the things which are written in the book of the law to do them but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, for it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. 
Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, where it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The law isn't the source. That's not how man is saved. It's not how man is justified. It is not how the Gentiles come into uh, the hope of eternal life. Now listen, all of that should answer the question. But I titled this lesson, You're Not Really a Sabbath Keeper, not only because of what I brought up at the beginning, and not only because the point's here, but I know that people are not keeping the Sabbath day the way that the law of Moses instructed anywhere that I see on earth today because of some things. Number one, Numbers chapter 15, verses 32 through 36. While the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they that found his gathering sticks brought unto him Moses and Aaron and all the congregation. And they put him in a ward. Hey, they had rested him is the point. Because it was not declared what should be done to him. And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned with stones and he died as the Lord commanded Moses. Who's doing that today? Who's doing that today? Those people that say, yes, I'm keeping the Sabbath. You're not doing that. Therefore, you're not keeping the Sabbath. You're not putting people to death for picking up sticks. Somebody needs some source of fuel. I went and got gasoline. Hey, time for you to die. You got it on Saturday. Come on, people. You're not a Sabbath keeper. If you're out there and you're listening to this podcast... And you're saying, I am too a Sabbath keeper. You're not doing that. So you're not. In Leviticus chapter 23, 23 through 25, Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month and the first day of the month shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, an holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Who's doing that? Nobody in El Paso, Texas is out here doing this. How about where you are? If you've seen it, you let me know because I'm not seeing it. Who in the seventh month of the Jewish calendar on the first day of the month is having a service of a memorial of blowing of trumpets? And then those that aren't participating, they're putting to death. I'm not seeing it. Exodus 16, 29. See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. How many people are at the grocery store on Saturday? How many Sabbath keepers? One of my brethren here, told me he ran into a guy at Walmart on the Sabbath day, Saturday. And the man was trying to talk to him about being a Sabbath day keeper. He's violating Exodus 16, 29. He's not a Sabbath day keeper. He's ignorant, as are most people when it comes to scriptural matters. 
and they run off of some idiot that told them they need to do something and provided a few verses out of context and convinced them to do so. Hey, listen, when the blind lead the blind, both fall into the ditch, Matthew 15, 14. You're not excused because somebody has duped you. We just had a podcast on that not long ago. Go back and listen to it. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 21 and 22. Thus saith the Lord, take heed to yourselves and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. Neither carry forth a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, neither do you any work, but hallow you the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. I had a conversation with a guy many years ago in Pennsylvania. I was actually out hitting doors and it was on the weekend. And this man was out mowing his lawn on the quote-unquote Sabbath day. And he told me that he was a Seventh-day Adventist. And I asked him, what are you working for? He said, oh, it's my only day off, and this really isn't work. It's a chore. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, right? you got to be kidding me. Neither carry any burden, right? Don't do it. Rest. It's a day of rest. What are you doing? Folks, they're not Sabbath-day keepers out there today. There are people that call themselves that, but they're not doing it. The change is clear when we look at the Bible. In Galatians 4, 8 through 11, Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service to them which by nature are no gods. But now, after ye have known God, or rather known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements wherein ye desire to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. Paul told them, I'm afraid of you, lest I bestowed upon you labor in vain. Listen, we live under the perfect law of liberty. God doesn't legislate what day off you have to take. Get that. And when you begin to legislate that by taking the law of Moses out of its context in itself, you're teaching a false doctrine because the law of Moses is not in effect now. In Romans 7, 1 through 6, Know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. How that the law hath dominion over man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, you're also become dead to the law by the body of Christ. That you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of, our, the motions of sins which were by the law, remember what we talked about earlier, why the law was added, transgressions, right? Did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death, but now we are delivered from the law. That being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of letter. Here, as well as what we read in Colossians 2, 6 through 17, and what we read in Hebrews 8, 1 through 13, and what we read in Hebrews 9, 11 through 17, the law is not in effect for anybody today, even the Jew. And folks, the changes began to take place before Jesus even died. In Luke 16, 16, Jesus, our King, our High Priest, our Lord, our Savior, 
our God says the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. Until John. You could see Jesus as he's on a mount talking to his disciples, making changes to what Moses had, had already written. For example, in Matthew chapter 5, you see in verse 31 and following, it hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. Notice what Jesus does with that. But I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, cause her to commit adultery. Whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, commit adultery. What did he just do? He just changed what Moses instructed. Verse 33. Again, you have heard that have been said those of old time. Thou shalt not first swear thyself, but thou shalt perform unto the Lord thine oath. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shall thou swear by thy head, because thou canst make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Then he added another. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Take insult. Look, there's changes. And if you're going to go back like the people in Galatia did, and you're going to serve under the law, and you're going to teach the law, and you're going to use it as an authoritative measure instead of as a tool of learning, because those things are written aforetime are written for our learning, Romans 15 and verse 4, that we through patient and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. But if you're going to go back to the law and that's going to be your source of authority, think about the multiple levels of trouble you are in. In Galatians 5, 1 through 4, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So, if you're going to go back and you're going to say something like, circumcision is commanded under the law of Moses. Or you're going to go back and say, Genesis 17, even before the law of Moses. Christ profits you nothing. If you're going to go back and you're going to testify from the law or before that circumcision is required of, uh, of, of man, then you're indebted to the whole old law. So guess what, Sabbath keeper? You got to start putting people to death too. Then, if you're justifying yourself by the law, you've fallen from grace. And that was written to Christians who had walked away from our Lord. Many, matter of fact, all that I've ever met that think they're keeping the Sabbath aren't Christians or aren't even a 50-second cousin to Christianity, not that there is such a thing. I'm just saying they're far removed. But even Christians who went back and justified themselves by the law of Moses, judged others by the law of Moses, they'd fallen from grace. Now hear this. There are people who say, what? So we're not under the Ten Commandments anymore? Uh, you mean we're not... Taught that we're taught that we can kill? No, no. There are certain things that were written in the old law that still apply today. 
And they apply today, and we know they apply today because they're also given to us in the law of Christ. For example, in Romans 13, 9 and 10, notice this. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. There be any other commandment is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Hey, all of that, you can go back and use Old Testament scriptures for too. Why is it binding today? Because it's written to us in the will of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that it applies the same way as today. And you'll notice, when we read in Romans 13, 9 and 10, nothing about being circumcised Nothing about animal sacrifices. Nothing about keeping the Sabbath day. Nothing about observing a Passover feast. Right? Now, like the Sabbath, many commands aren't read about in the New Testament. But there are things that appear both in the Old and the New Law, but they vary. For example, the sin of homosexuality. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, Know ye not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators. That covers homosexuality by itself, but that's not, it's still spelled out for. I'll continue. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves of mankind. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So, okay. Fornication sinful, being effeminate, abusing yourself of mankind, homosexuality is sinful. It was under the old law, but there's a difference. The old law says in Leviticus 20 and verse 13, if a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with woman, both of them hath committed abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. We're not taught that in the new covenant. We're taught to teach them to repent or they will perish, Luke 13, 1 through 5. We are not taught to take it upon ourselves to execute God's judgment. We are taught of Christ to try and lead people out of sin, not put them to death while they're in sin. And the new covenant... Witchcraft is sinful like it is under the old law. For example, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, here's our word, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, rash, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. No instruction about what we're to do to somebody practicing witchcraft other than teach the gospel like we do to every creature in the world in hopes that they will obey the gospel and be saved, Mark 16, 15, and 16, and a host of other scriptures. But if we go back to the old law, Leviticus 20 and verse 27, a man also or a woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. So we don't do that today. Why? Because Jesus didn't have that instruction given to us. 
and we live under his law. It is still sinful to disobey God just as it always has been. You know, Hebrews 12, 25, see, then, see that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. We don't want to be disobedient to our Lord. But the physical punishments handed out by men don't happen today. You know, in Joshua 1.18, Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment will not hearken to thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. This is instructions to Joshua as he takes the lead of Israel and bringing them to the promised land after Moses has died. Folks, understand, we live under the perfect law of liberty, James 1.25 and 2.12. We have freedom in Christ. We are not having to keep a calendar of all the feasts and, and sacrifices and everything else we need to do upon certain days, upon certain months. We're not going through the ritualistic events that occurred throughout the Old Testament by the children of Israel. We're not traveling to Jerusalem to worship at the temple that Jesus said was going to be destroyed in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37 through 24, 34, and it was in 70 AD historically. We are not trying to follow the pattern of Israel of old because we're not them. There aren't Sabbath keepers today. There aren't. If you're out there and you're saying, well, I keep the Sabbath, be honest with yourself. I've given you scriptures that you know you're not doing. I feel confident in making that charge without ever meeting you. You're not keeping them. You're not following them. And if you think you're following the law of Moses, not even close. Not even close. Come away from that. Understand that there's freedom in Christ. And the people that taught you that Old Testament rituals are to be obeyed today are teaching you against the will of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. They're taking you back to a lot of law of bondage like we read that Paul wrote. They're not giving unto you the freedom that Jesus came into this world to present. They're taking you backwards, not forwards. And they're taking you back to a law that unless you can trace your physical bloodline back to the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're taking you back to a law that never applied to you. Unless you can trace your blood back, you are a Gentile. And that law was against you. It was contrary to you. And thankfully... You can, as we read in Colossians chapter 2, be comfortable that Jesus took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now, if you want to take Saturdays off and do no labor because you want to honor God yourself as an individual, here's the beauty about the new covenant of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus gives you the liberty, not the law to keep days, but the liberty to keep days if, if you so choose. In Romans 14, 5 through 8, says, One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. So this is what God's done for me. He's given me the liberty to chill on the seventh day of the week. Or to not. I can treat the seventh day of the week like every other day. I need to be fully persuaded in my own mind. Verse 6. He that regardeth the day, regardeth unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. He that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us live to himself. No man die to himself. For whether we live, we live in the Lord. Whether we die, we die in the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord. So, if you think there's wisdom because of Genesis 2, 1 through 3, to work hard six days and take a seventh off. Go for it. Go for it. You just have absolutely no right to tell someone else they need to do that. You certainly have no right to go back and read from the law of Moses and command that upon you or anyone else. You can make that day higher for yourself or not. You just heard what liberty we have in Christ. No one is bound to see the seventh day of the week any differently than any other day. But you also have the liberty to do so if you so choose. But if you choose to do that, don't say you're keeping the Sabbath because you're not. You're not. Because that would go backwards to all the instructions that are bound with that command. And you will find yourself in prison very soon for murdering people who are laboring on the seventh day of the week. I hope this has been a thought-provoking study for you. It is really elementary. I mean, it's not difficult. It's not hard to understand. If you're an honest person and you've been confused on this, hey, it's time to repent and obey the true gospel and be saved and enjoy the liberty that Christ died to give you. That's it. Folks, I hope it's been good for you. I've enjoyed delivering it. Thank you so much for listening. If all goes according to plan, I will be back on Sunday. Thank you so much. And until then, I will say goodbye.